0: Are you running your bookkeeping firm or cash practice on spreadsheets and email? What if you could give your clients one place to answer questions about uncategorized transactions, send bank statements, track KPIs, and read reports you customize just for them? Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Keeper, later in the episode.
1: So, like, how do you maintain the value of audit in the world when you have... A stablecoin that's unregulated that just goes out and buys. What I mean, here's what it looks like to me. It looks like they went out, they found somebody who's willing to sign off on this report, got him to do a report, and and you know this this could be totally corrupt, right? It could be. It could just be. It's three people in the Caymans. Like, you know, what what guarantee? What is the value? Well, we've of We've seen of this that? movie. It's called The Firm, right? <laughs> Coming to you weekly from the
0: OnPay recording studio. This is the Cloud Accounting Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm David Leary.
0: How was Disneyland? Tell me, tell me, what was the big (laughs) learning you had at Disney that you can relay back to our listeners, Blake?
1: Well, I'm not sure there was any great big learning. I think anybody who's been there recently would have the same experience as me. It's just incredible the quality that Disney manages to have in the parks, given how many people are in the parks, I mean, they're at capacity every day, on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday. It doesn't matter. They are completely full, but it still ends up being a great experience. At least it was for us. We had a great time.
0: I mean, you almost never hear about somebody who has a bad experience at a Disney. I'm trying to think, like, have I ever heard anybody ever bitching, complain
1: about Disney? Mm -hmm. Not much. No, right. And then they go beyond in a lot of ways. They're, they they create these magical little experiences. And we had one of those. Uh, Thomas was looking at, there's this like candy store or confectionery store that's at the exit of Winnie the Pooh in Frontierland. And they make candy and you can watch them do it while you're in line. And he just became fascinated with this marshmallow treat that had chocolate poured all over it. And he was watching and Engaging with the woman who was making it, and when we got to the front of the line, she came out and personally gave him one so that he could try it. And you know that's just like a little neat thing that you wouldn't get anywhere else. And I was amazed at how clean the park was. Clean. I mean, you know, you didn't see a, a trash anywhere. You know, that's I, always the amazing I, thing. And, and the, yeah, your
0: little napkin, <laughs> anything like that, is never yeah, on the ground. They're always sweeping it up, but you never really see the people sweeping it up either. They no. it's like they're ninjas.
1: Yeah, it was. It was amazing. And also, you know how when you grow up versus when you're a kid, things don't seem quite as amazing anymore? Like things were always better when you were a kid. Oh, like 80s
0: bands. And <laughs> you go see them in person now, the whole audience is like 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds.
1: It's, it's yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> it, it, this general trend where like everything was better when you were younger. Well, I honestly feel like going to Disneyland as an adult, it's better now than it was, I guess, 30 years ago <laughs> when I went for the first time. Wow. Everything is new. It is all maintained. The rides are in, in great shape. Although, actually, Space Mountain, Space Mountain, seemed a little bit more. Uh, you Space know, Mountain, that that thing is notorious for breaking down like <laughs> yeah, forever. Yeah. I think that one needs to be completely redone. But no, like overall, I mean, it, just walking down Main Street and into Fantasyland, it's just it's just incredible. It's the experience is amazing. I don't know. I guess it's a premium experience, and that's why guys like Ron Baker, Ron Baker, loves to talk about Disney as a premium. Type of experience—it's one that we should emulate in our accounting firms to try and create a better customer experience. And I think they—they they totally do that. One thing I did notice that is relevant to all this is Disney has a, a problem, which is that it's very popular. It's actually too popular. Too many people want to go to the park. You know, there's only so many ways that you can increase revenue and grow. You can add capacity, get more people into the park, or you can do other stuff like figure out other ways to sell people new products and services. And so Disney build a has the
0: second park next
1: door. That they did that, right? But yeah. that even that one's full now, right? They it's sort of like freeways. You build more lanes, more people just come, right? So, one thing I also noticed that's different than when I was a kid is there's all sorts of premium experiences like the fine dining that exists at Disneyland now. Like I don't remember that as a kid. I mean, maybe there was a little bit of it, but now there's a lot of it. The variety of merchandise, oh Here's an example. The lightsabers for adults that cost hundreds of dollars, that's a premium type of product that never existed before. And they're not selling toys to kids. They're selling toys to, to adults as well. Yeah. Nobody would, if, if accountants made that decision, they'd be like, we're not making adult lightsabers. This is crazy.
0: hmm right.
1: Yeah. So when you run out of capacity, you got to come up with other ways to make money. And that's what this whole advisory services pushes in accounting, right? It's, you don't want to take on more clients to make more money. That's always been the way you did it in the past more clients, more headcount, more staff, bigger firm. But really, if you want to have a better firm, it's it's fewer clients, fewer staff doing more for your clients. Like they they want to pay you more. Disney's figured out how to do that. They built the Grand Californian Hotel, right? Premium experience inside of the Disney park pretty much. We didn't stay there, of course. I wasn't willing to pay for that. <laughs> do you want to know how much the whole thing cost? I'm curious. Like what, End-to-end uh, trip. like yeah. your yeah. plane flights? So, so, I'm an accountant, right? So, well, we drove. Gas was expensive. You know, it's like 70, 80 bucks to fill up the tank. That wasn't the biggest part of the, the cost, right? Because we're just driving what's like a tank of gas to get You should have brought gas Stella. from Arizona
0: and sold it to California.
1: <laughs> we could have, right? <laughs> so, gas was what? A few hundred bucks. The hotel, we stayed at the Disneyland Hotel. Disneyland Hotel plus the park. And we got park hopper tickets, right? These are all the premium things you add on. So, you get... Park Hopper tickets, you can go from one park to another. You pay a premium for that. Maybe it's 10, 15% more, I don't remember. You also pay for this Disney Genie Plus, which is an app where you can book rides in advance. You can make appointments for rides. That's a new thing, never existed before. That's way better than waiting in line. You pay an extra fee to have access to that. So we stayed at the Disneyland Hotel. We bought those premiums so that we could have flexibility. And the hotel, the parks, with all that, it was about $3,000 for three days for the three of us. So a thousand dollars a day. And that was three nights, three days. Yeah, thousand dollars a day, and then all the stuff on top because we did the fine dining, we did some toys. You know, we did bought stuff in the park that adds another thousand bucks. So four thousand all in three days of magic.
0: And well, maybe you can ask for a, a reimbursement now that you've, you know, plugged them on the podcast,
1: or, or, or I this could rash of or...
0: accountants taking their families to Disneyland now
1: or is this a write off david now that we've spoken about it on the show <laughs> my entire trip was research for our <laughs> podcast so i want to ask you to share half of it with me but you know could i could i write this off on my share that's a good question for our listeners i'm sure there are some people who would definitely do that anyway that was interesting um and, and actually that was actually a pretty good deal that we got because we bought it during the last covid surge i looked at the forecast the covid forecast much like the weather forecast and i saw Oh, uh, things are going to get better in March. So let's book it now in early January. And we managed to get a deal. Now it's insanely expensive all the way through the end of the year because everybody wants to go who's been holding off. And you have a narrow window of time when your kids are young to go to Disneyland and have it be magical. So we wanted to do it when our son was seven. Yeah, because they eventually get too old for Disney. Yeah, like he, he, he was still debating whether or not what was happening on the rides was real. Like we went on Rise of the Resistance, which is the Star Wars immersive experience. That thing is so incredibly realistic that if you're a seven year old, you think, "Am I actually going into space? Am I actually boarding an Imperial Star Destroyer right now?" Yeah, yeah. Like it feels like it as an adult. So as a kid, what a cool thing for him. So you know, it was fun making that happen. But yeah, it's a premium experience. But I I would pay it again in a heartbeat. So the question to our listeners is: Would you know your customers for your uh, CPA firm? happily pay the thousands of dollars, for, you charge them for a tax return. Again, is the experience that good? Now, I mean, that's kind of unfair, right? We're a compliance industry. So this is not something that people want to do. But I think we can take inspiration. We can we can do better. Well, it's definitely... So I went and had beers with uh, Eric Mazurak, who's the
0: CEO at Peach Fleischman. And it was, this is was Friday night. And it's kind of funny because it ties into the tax organizer issues. It also t- ties into capacity planning type stuff as well. So I didn't think ahead. I was like, hey, let's just meet here. Meet at the three the happy hour. There's traffic by the time I get there. U of A's basketball team was, had a game at 4 o'clock. So the bar was packed. It was just packed. And it was kind of there's a shared courtyard between three restaurants. And so we go in there like, hey, there's no seats at the bar. And so, hey, but there's these tall tables outside. If you sit at those, there's no servers, you have to walk up and get your own drinks, right? Which is okay, the first one, because you're walking out there. So you get your first beers, you can sit on a table, you have that, you're ready for your second beer, you walk back in, the lines are packed. It takes forever to get your beer,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? So we're sitting there and we're just talking about like service and how that's the big differentiator. All the servers who walked past our table, we asked if they could just pick us up two beers. Every single one of them said no. Like they just refuse to do it because it's just these rule. these, you're walking to the bar, you're walking past our table.
1: Right. right? But because right. there's
0: this rule, like those tables are self-serve and we don't serve those tables. Like, so we were going to actually think about trying to just pay more. Hey, I will tip you $20, $40. Like how much would you do? But instead of what we did, the other restaurant or bar didn't have as many people because it's not really, it's not really a sports bar kind of place. Right. Mm-hmm. And we just went, walked to that bar that had no line, bought our beers there and brought them back to the table. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a diy scenario right yeah 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 yeah. right and we just bypassed them completely and it was funny because we're sitting there and we got in a discussion because beach weishman's doing my personal taxes and they're the ones that you know we're talking about the tax organizer thing a little bit and the service for that and how to make that better and in the meantime we're watching the basketball game it's on tv four commercials in a row show up now this is this is what accounting firms are having to really compete with right it was a commercial for a free TurboTax, a commercial for a free uh, H&R Block return. It was a commercial for some startup that deliver. It's like the Costco of buying in bulk deliveries,
1: mm-hmm. just
0: delivered to your door. And like an Uber Eats, Uber delivery. It was Uber Eats as well. And I'm like, that's what you're competing with? That's people's expectations.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. Like, the like, ease of that. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's the consumer. They want something delivered to them. Like they want a free return or be able to do it half themselves, like, or they're just gonna bypass you. And so it's all tied to experience. Cause ultimately, like the return, nobody cares about the return. Nobody's like, oh yeah, man, the numbers are really tight. When that number they give me my return, the numbers were tight. Nobody <laughs> nobody cares about that.
1: Well, they don't know. They don't understand. Yeah. They can't look at the return and tell whether you did it right most of the time. So how do yeah, they determine the- value? Then you can't build them for value. You're gonna have to build them for an experience. Yeah, the value is in the experience, the ease of it. And, uh, you know, that, that takes me back to the Disneyland thing with the app. So if you go to Disneyland now, it's very different than it used to be. There's an app that you download. And if you pay for this Genie Plus, they call it Disney Genie Plus service. <laughs> you add, yeah, right? You add on to your ticket price and you get to book rides in a virtual queue. So you, you say, I want to go on Indiana Jones. And you find, you find the ride and you say, it's, what is it, the fast lane or something like that? They have a standby lane and a fast lane. And you click on it and then it tells you, come back at 1 p.m. and you'll get straight on the ride. And then you get to go in the fast queue, you scan your code. And then once you've done that, you can do another one. So basically, while you're waiting in line for one ride, you can have another ride booked. Saves you time. And, and Disney did this during the pandemic. This wasn't like some genius idea they had, and they've been playing around with different varieties of this for years. But what they found that it did that has been amazing for them is that when people aren't waiting in lines, they're happier, and they go spend money on stuff. They go to the stores, and they shop. because when you're standing in line, you can't do anything. (laughs) Yeah, standing in line is the worst part about a theme park. And actually, Disneyland does the best of making their lines really enjoyable, right? Anyone who's stood in line for two hours for Indiana Jones knows the line itself can be actually really cool and immersive. And same thing with, you know, the other other newer rides that they do. But yeah, it's the convenience of that, right? Even Disney, a company that has, you know, Disneyland opened in what, the 1950s, they have innovated and you can do stuff on an app and they're still working on it. It's not the easiest thing to use, but how many CPA firms have an app where you can chat with somebody to get help? Or you can submit your documents using the app. Like, this is table stakes these days. That's what people are being trained to experience, like you said, with DoorDash and Uber Eats. The restaurant down the street from me, they, they have their own website where you can order delivery on an app on their, on their site. So, yeah, it's pretty easy, actually. Like, this is not – that's where I would start. Start with an app where people can work with your firm, and it feels like text messaging.
0: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Scribe. Like it or not, your firm is probably going to be impacted by the Great Resignation, which means you'll need to scale both yourself and your staff. But showing the same things to your staff or clients over and over again does not scale. Good thing there is Scribe. Scribe allows you to document your processes, workflows, onboarding, app instructions, help docs, and how to's by automatically recording your actions as you use your computer then Scribe automatically creates easy to follow step-by-step visual guides called Scribes that you can share with your staff, coworkers, or clients. You can use Scribe to document processes in cloud apps like QuickBooks and Zero, And with their desktop plugin, you can use Scribe with all your desktop apps as well. Scribe allows you to customize the automatically created Scribes by adding and removing steps, redacting sensitive information, and providing additional comments or instructions. Guides created in Scribe can be shared via a link, a PDF or embedded directly into a website, or the dozens of other tools that your firm may be using, like Notion, SharePoint, Process Street, ClickUp, etc. To try Scribe Pro free for one month by using promo code Cloud Accounting, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/scribe. That is slash cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/forward/scribe. Should we jump into the news?
1: Yeah, I know we got lots of. Tax season news.
0: IRS news.
1: Yes, Reddick was testifying to Congress for the last time. Lucky guy, his term is up at the end of this year. So it's kind of funny because he was telling Congress that he fully expects the IRS to work through its backlog of millions and millions of, I think, tens of millions of returns by the end of the year. But of course, his term ends in November. So he's not going to be around to be held accountable. They're hiring... As you mentioned, David, they're hiring 10,000 people this year, but they're hiring them for less than they can make at Walmart. So there's a question as to whether or not they'll actually be able to do that. And I saw another story that said that they've only hit 67% of their hiring goals for this year anyway. Seems to me that could be related to the fact that they're not paying all that great. So is it really going to happen? I don't know. I don't think I wouldn't wouldn't bet money on it. And it's aggressive. I mean, he's promising to take care of the backlog before the end of this year. Right. Yeah. Like, really? And they have to hire all these people and train them
0: too. Well, he said that too. They're training. They've got their training down from months to a couple weeks now. Well, that's because they're only auditing poor people, right? Which is easy to do. But it's not. It's just literally like the part I don't get is I feel like this article is only addressing the actual opening of the mail. Not the actual. It's not really promise. It doesn't feel like there's a promise to. But that's what they're calling the backlog. I mean, I guess the assumption is you're going to open the mail and deal with it. But it feels like. That's the goal is just to get the mail opened. Like they haven't opened it, right? And
1: I think he said they want to process the returns that are in the backlog.
0: Yeah, they're bringing in like a 800-person surge team of experienced IRS employees.
1: Yeah. It just seems like completely unrealistic.
0: Well, Well, here's the crazy thing, right? So at the end of this article, it talks about heading into this year's tax filing. The IRS has been encouraging everyone capable of filing returns electronically to do so and emphasizing the importance of accuracy. The agency maintains those who file accurate returns electronically should receive refunds within 21 days. I filed my 2020 returns late. Guess what you can't do if you file your return late? What? File electronically. <laughs> you have to physically print and mail it in. Why? Why? Because they sh- turned off for that tax year the e-filing. It doesn't make oh any my sense. Gosh. So so like for people that are capable of filing, they're making it even worse. Yeah. Because of just, this is like, oh, I can't go get you a beer at that table. Oh, you can't file electronically. Why? We just turned it off. It doesn't make any sense.
1: I, I don't know. They, they, yeah. they can't get out of their own way. Well, it's it's because, right? I mean, this is the same reason that CPA firms fail to modernize. The IRS has been underfunded. They've had 20% of their budget slashed since 2010. There are more taxpayers than ever. They've lost something like 17% of their entire workforce in the last year. They continue to hemorrhage employees because who wants to work at the IRS right now when they're just under fire all the time? And they can't keep up with the current backlog. So how are they supposed to modernize their technology? There's not enough capacity. They, it's not even close. And, and this year, their budget increase was $675 million, which sounds like a lot. But Reddick was asking for $80 billion in the Build Back Better plan, which is stuck in Congress in the, in the Senate. Like they and I, and I think some representative in Florida wants to, half their budget. They want they would take half the money. Away. Uh, yeah, there's people. The are like, let's let's defund the IRS. Yeah, I mean, you know, how stupid do you have to be to think that that's good policy? Uh, yeah, let's let's defund the IRS so that there's no accountability and everybody cheats on their taxes. Let's make the tax gap even bigger than it is and penalize honest people because now the dishonest people can go and just file fraudulent returns all day long and they don't get caught for it. The rate of business audits is like under 1%. It might be under half of of a percent. That's how low it is. So like if you're a business owner and you want to just, like David, like you could just make up stuff, put it on your return. And as long as you don't make any obvious errors in the calculations or whatnot, you file that, nobody's ever going to check. You know, the odds of you getting checked are like zilch. Yeah. And it's not just us in the industry talking about this now, right?
0: I saw an article that called Campaign Legal Center is the website. Yeah. And the title of the article is IRS Struggles to Allow Secret Election Spending to Flourish. Because the bargain, right, with nonprofits is like, hey, you don't have to pay taxes. You could pay less taxes, but you have to make your return public. Mm-hmm. Well, and the IRS is supposed to make all these available on their website free of charge. But if the IRS is underfunded, the IRS does not have time, what's happening is the Form 990s aren't getting handled correctly. They're it's basically grind to a halt. Mm-hmm. And so dark money groups are just operating for years without one nine ninety publicly disclosed <laughs> on the IRS's <laughs> website. Amazing. So so now it's going to affect the election campaign because, you know, five oh one C fours can't do campaign politics as their primary purpose. But there's no way to know this because none of it's being looked
1: at. Well, you know what the IRS is doing? They're gonna start using chat bots for calls. That won't be infuriating in the slightest. Will it, David? (laughs) You know, your favorite thing is calling up the bank and you get the chatbot. Then you have to, like, fight through the chatbot to get to an actual person. So this is the solution at the moment. The IRS in recent weeks has deployed voice and chatbots in English and Spanish for phone lines that assist taxpayers with tax payments issues or understanding an IRS notice they may have missed. The thing is, the chatbots can't help you with anything that requires personal information. So it's really just, like, a knowledge base. The TikToker from two weeks ago said, like, the, she had the hack for that. She said, just be really
0: quiet. And eventually the bot just gives up on you and <laughs> routes you to a person. Oh, just don't say anything. Just don't that's say anything. Smart. Don't interact with the
1: bot. Don't interact with the bot. I like that. I like that. Until they change uh. the logic and they just disconnect you, which is <laughs> they, the odds of them doing that, anyways, are pretty hot. Right, right. They just disconnect you when you get to a human, right? They don't want to go on their break, just disconnect you. Yeah, I think that's it with the IRS news. So, so the PCAOB has confirmed that they
0: are uh, in talks with China. And getting
1: access for audits, right? Right. So firms- yeah, yeah, so this is going back to that story we covered quite a while ago where the SEC was talking about delisting Chinese companies that won't submit, where their auditors won't submit to inspection by the PCAOB public company accounting oversight. Yeah, and board. they even released this time like five companies that are
0: subject to delisting. Yum China Holdings, which is a fast food provider, ACM Research, a technology company, two biotech firms, B-Gene, looks like b genie, but it's kind of spelled weird, uh, Zylab and pharmaceutical maker HutchMed. So yeah, they're very serious about it. The part I don't really get though is it feels like there's a lot of elbow room here, which I'm kind of shocked by. If the PCAOB is unable to inspect the firm for three years in a row, its securities are banned from trading on US exchanges. I, I'm kind of surprised
1: that we've let somebody slide for three years. Well, that that's their standard, three years in a row. So if I skip one year and then i come back and let them inspect another year. It's okay? Like wouldn't i just skip the year that is going to be a bad year? <laughs> like so what does this actually achieve? And that's the the risk. That's the whole reason this is happening is that we've got these chinese companies, who knows if their audits are any good? Who knows if any of this is real? If the financial results are are good? And it puts us companies at a disadvantage because they've got a higher standard. I mean, not much of a standard, <laughs> but it's slightly higher, <laughs> All right? So, audit is just such a mess. The whole audit profession. I'm sorry. I mean, we probably don't have a lot of auditors listening here, right? But mostly people who probably left audit. It's just it's just a disaster because audits are pass fail. You've got these massive conflicts of interest because and you're that's getting the biggest paid. One, right? Is like the Chinese government running these companies. Right. Yeah. Subsidizing them
0: possibly. Like-
1: yeah. And you think you think if you're an auditor in China that there isn't pressure to not report fraud that you find or material deficiencies that you find i'm sure there's way more than there is here even well right? death
0: <laughs> yeah. possibly i'm just yeah exactly like
1: like social isolation i yeah i don't know. so where do we that, go from here they're,
0: they're chatting it out i i, I don't know how like where this will land because i mean in the end right who has more power chinese
1: government well, these companies do want access to U.S. markets, right? That's, there's a reason yeah, they're listed yeah. here. So, yeah. like, if they really want the access to the capital, global capital, they're going to come here. Or they're going to they're allow for inspection. But I guess my point is submitting to an inspection by the PCAOB is not really a big deal because the worst thing that happens is you get fined an infinitesimal amount that doesn't matter, right? It's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, like, not who cares, Yeah, right? so then if that's the case, like, why the difficulties,
0: like, is there nobody told? Like, Has <laughs> there nobody told them China's that it's government? actually not hey, a like, big deal? Don't worry. Like, even if they find something, <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that to me indicates there might be something bad going on, right? I mean, and that's the thing. What was that real estate developer that everybody's thinking is going to implode? You know? Yeah.
0: Uh, well, I think a lot of this is they don't want it. They can't be controlled by the foreign government and then be listed. Oh. And that, that's, I think, the bigger issue here.
1: Right, right. So maybe, maybe they are controlled and it's just not, yeah, that would that would expose it.
0: And of course, if you are, you're going to try and figure out how to, to not be
1: audited. Well, the uh, big four accounting firms here are reportedly being probed by the SEC. This was reported in the Wall Street Journal. I'm not sure how big a deal this is because, again, it's like a letter from the SEC to a bunch of big firms, not just the big four, some other ones as well, asking them to disclose their conflicts of interest with providing non-audit services to audit clients. Now, the big four, big firms have been slapped with independence violations for years now. But again, they're tiny little fines compared to their revenue. These firms make billions of dollars a year, and the big four have been audited, or fined rather, like in the millions of dollars. It's like EY has paid $10 million in fines since 2014 but their global revenues are in the billions and billions of dollars so like who, who cares pwc paid eight million in 2019 it's to like settle merchant SEC. Service
0: fee, right You're, all right it, i'll just have to pay it and it's just part of, it's a business expense
1: i mean i guarantee you they're making more money on the consulting services that they are offering that violate their independence than they are paying fines to the sec so i think this is all stupid it's all meaningless so let's let's move on <laughs>
0: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Keeper. By combining client communications, file review, reporting, and task management, Keeper has everything you need to run your bookkeeping or cash practice. Keeper is an all-in-one app that allows you, your team, and your clients to easily collaborate to make your monthly close as efficient as possible. Starting with a beautiful, custom-branded client portal optimized for bookkeeping work, your clients can... Answer questions that you have about uncategorized transactions, allowing you to categorize and automatically post them to QuickBooks Online correctly, all without ever leaving Keeper. Via the month end file review feature, you can surface transactions that may not be posted correctly, and by providing the perfect customized reports that each client may need, Keeper can highlight the value that your firm provides to clients. Keeper's built-in task management ensures nothing falls through the cracks and it includes time tracking so you can see where you and your team spend their time. Keeper has a very affordable and clear pricing model that only starts at $8 a month. To learn more of why thousands of bookkeepers and accountants trust Keeper to manage their monthly and close and to get 20% off your first three months by using code CAP20, head over to keeper. That is promo forward slash K-E-E-P-E-R. Keeper, the one app to run your bookkeeping business. This is going mainstream now. This is an article in uh, Bloomberg Tax, and it's basically about how accounting is facing a reckoning after years of sluggish, sluggish pay growth. And I think for me, the big takeaway is a quote from, she is the professor at Portland State University, Elizabeth Almer, and she said, quote unquote, students are making economically rational decisions. Faced with mounting housing costs, student loan debt, they opt to pursue other fields. Yeah. And this was in a mainstream publication, right? Yeah. This was not inside baseball stuff. This was like normal, like main normal news, if you want to call it that. Right.
1: Bloomberg tax, right? But the biggest, biggest site. Yeah. I mean, salaries are jumping. Salary offers have jumped as much as 25% for some roles in recent months, but will this actually solve the problem? I've seen on Reddit discussions about the salary increases at the big four, like just massive pay increases to get people to stay. Yeah, this article talks a lot about those. Yeah, Yeah, like big ones, right? But the question is, is the pay going to make up for the hours? And I think that a lot of folks are making the calculation now, my time is worth more than they're willing to pay me. Because who cares if I'm making a bunch of money if I don't have a life and if I don't get meaning out of the work that I'm doing. And now that we can go work remotely and live a nice quality of life while making half the money and you go live in a second city like Phoenix, Tucson's a really nice place. You can live an even better lifestyle in in Tucson where you are, David. I mean, you can buy the big house, relax, go to the pool every day. You You leave New York or LA or any of these other big cities that you're stuck in as a big auditor, make good money.
0: There's internet, right? If sounds there's internet, you can, yeah. can start your own thing. You could go to work for a smaller firm. There's, yeah, there's lots of options on that.
1: Anywhere there's fiber. And you could go work for a cloud-based firm that does advisory work, and you could actually help small businesses. And you could feel good about what you do every day, as opposed to wondering what's the point, <laughs> right? It's interesting. Like, I, I guess the big four will be fine. And I saw another story, another opinion piece about how, and this probably contradicts our headline the title of our episode from last last week which was you know big firms are doomed because oh, it was the big, two weeks ago two weeks ago yeah. yeah the biggest of the firms are fine because they'll always be able to raise fees on these big companies i mean there's only 4 of them right so who can if they all raise fees who are you going to go to nobody else is going to audit you right nobody well, else is going to be able to I do would your national tax these
0: big the large firms the consulting advisory divisions are subsidizing the tax and audit
1: division well, that's where they're making the money, right? So you, yeah. you, you get the audit engagement and then you sell them all these consulting services and you hope you don't get an independence violation from the SEC. That's the game. So they're going to be fine because they can sell all these consulting services. They can raise prices. They can value price that stuff. They can raise, they can pay people enough to sacrifice their life for work. But it's the firms that are kind of below that in the top 100. So let's say, you know, five through 100 that are going to struggle because those people, they're not the, I wouldn't say call them A players, but they're not like the, they're not the people who wanted to go into the big four or enjoyed it, right? They, they tried it and they said, uh, oh, this is not for me. So I'm going to go to a smaller regional firm, still a big firm, maybe hundreds, thousands of employees, but not the insanity of working for a big four. Well, those are the people I think now who are making that decision as to, well, do I jump down another tier and go to a lifestyle firm, get a lifestyle kind of job? And I think those firms are going to struggle a lot. So it's either get really big or get smaller. The firm's in the middle. I I wonder, are they going to be able to attract and retain and keep talent? We will see. Well, it's going to be the experience. We've talked
0: about this before. remember those job postings for TurboTax Live or QuickBooks Live. They're appealing to the experience, the the work-life balance.
1: The flexibility. Yeah. I saw something about that in the New York Times. It was really an excellent write-up about flexible work environment. Actually, this was in the Wall Street Journal. Workers care more about flexible hours than remote work in the Wall Street Journal. 95% of people surveyed want flexible hours compared to 78% of workers who want location flexibility, according to a new report from Future Forum, a consortium focused on reimagining the future of work led by Slack technologies. So this is a survey by Slack. And this is a survey of 10,000 knowledge workers. 95% want to set their own hours. So here we are debating going back to the office or not. But that's not really the big thing. The biggest thing is people would be fine going back to the office if they could set their own hours. I mean, well, it's not really fair because 78% also want location flexibility. So it, like, <laughs> it's both. Yeah. But the hours are more important, the flexible hours. And that for me is personally the thing that I could never give up. I love being able to go pick up my kid from school. That is something that I like to do. And it's important for him. Am I ever going to go work for a company that makes me stay at the office from nine to five? Or worse, eight to six or seven or eight? No, never. No amount of money. No amount of money.
0: This is a Slack putting out the survey and like, I would argue tools like Slack, et cetera, have caused people not to have normal working hours, like where you're just working
1: all the time. Oh, you're flexible, but you're on 24 hours a day. Well, and that's true. Like that, and that's how I work, where I wake up and I start working immediately and then I'm working all day long. I, I work through lunch too. Like I'll work, but I'll like catch up on stuff. And then I log off. I go do my family thing. And then I come back on later at night before yeah. bed. But I like that. And I think I've if seen you, a lot of people would like that.
0: Right? Yeah. If you can let people work when they, they're in their productive moments.
1: Yeah. So that's interesting. I think the nine to five definitely needs to go. And this is of course why timesheets suck and they fail. Because I can be productive in four or five or six hours, if I'm really focused, I can get all my stuff done that I need to get done before three. So who cares if I'm working another two hours? This is where time-based performance management just completely falls down. And uh, you know the fact that partners want their staff back in the office indicates to me that timesheets are a terrible way to manage employees. Because if they worked, if they actually work, then who cares where they're sitting? Who cares if they're in your office or not? They obviously don't, which is why partners want people back in the office so they can manage by walking around, which is their real management technique. The time-based stuff is all imaginary. The real management they do is talking to people, walking around, which is good. Counting empty cubes, yeah. Yeah, but you can do that in a in a virtual environment if you're willing to adapt to using tools like Slack. Well, you can
0: do it even more because you could issue
1: PCs and you could
0: track everything they're doing, even more than just walking around the office.
1: That's right, you can see every- You can track how fast they type, you can track everything. <laughs> Oh God! I hope that's not the world we end up in, David. That would definitely get, I think, a lot of people to leave bigger firms. I, it,
0: it was a while back, but I swear I saw an article. Maybe some third-party tech company wrote an article, like pushing their technology, like uh, saying how firm owners should implement these types of tools because their employees yeah. are working remotely, like these monitoring tools. Oh it's God, so scary! It's very, very scary. Hopefully, nobody in the big firms have, you know, decided to go down that path. I have an article that hey, maybe you guys could put this on the uh, Oh My Fraud podcast. What's that? So a Tucson woman is accused of gambling away five million dollars in embezzled funds. Five million dollars. So Tucson bookkeeper, she embezzled five point three million from two local construction companies and a homeowner association that's based out of Mexico. Between September of twenty thirteen and July twenty twenty by writing checks made out to cash. Like how
1: wait like how five can million go- in checks made out to cash?
0: Yeah, over what's that, seven years? And who did she steal from? Two construction companies. Construction companies. And so a, clearly, homeowner association out of Mexico.
1: So clearly nobody is looking at the financial, st- nobody's looking at the bank statements. And yeah. like, that's the problem here, right? I mean, it's a lot, wow. it's, it's always this like longtime employee likes yeah. gambling
0: like that. Like if you have any employees, any clients that have any employees that like to gamble and have been there a long time.
1: Make sure they're not the touching money. the
0: books. Yeah. <laughs> and have access to the cash.
1: Like, oh, like five the, how long did it take her? Five million dollars over uh, seven years. Seven years. That's a lot of money every year. And then she spent apparently at like the local casinos. So then I'm thinking,
0: like, if you're dropping five million at local aren't you a baller at that point? Like, aren't does it, doesn't even the casinos question like, wow, you're dropping a lot of cash for a bookkeeper. I don't
1: yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not gonna say anything. Shall we talk about app news?
0: Yeah. So BotKeeper released an acronym, (laughs) as far as I can tell.
1: BotKeeper released an acronym.
0: An acronym. So BotKeeper released the BotKeeper Operating System, BOS, its Mm -hmm. latest iteration of its automated bookkeeping platform. And from what I can tell, just reading the descriptions, it doesn't feel... It's all the things I thought Botkeeper was already doing. You know, a more consistent, centralized source of truth, deeper visibility, more control over access and user permissions. The one that I feel like might be a little new is reporting. Have you ever had any insights back in the day of Botkeeper doing any reporting for firms or helping them build reporting?
1: No. Yeah, no, I didn't didn't know about that.
0: So maybe that's kind of new, but yeah, it's hard. uh, I I can't tell if it's just an acronym. It's a press release, right? So you read them (laughs) and you're like, okay.
1: Well... It could you know, hey now they've got boss, Buckkeeper operating system. It's a great it's a great uh, name for it. Well done.
0: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Cinder. With direct connections to Amazon, Shopify, eBay, Stripe, Square, and twenty of the most popular online and e-commerce platforms, Cinder automatically categorizes and accurately posts transactions into the accounting system, allowing you to easily prepare your client's data and organize their consolidated P&L regardless of the number of platforms they may be selling on. Cinder allows you to use the general ledger of your choice, QuickBooks, Xero, or even Cinder's own GL, which is designed specifically for e-commerce businesses and contains everything you need out of the box to make tax season a breeze. Cinder can sync all the necessary details like inventory items, tax, shipping, discounts, classes, and locations. It even correctly handles the processor fees. With tools like a duplicate detector and rollback functions, you can rest assured your client's books will never get messed up because you can undo and restore any synced data with literally one click. If you need support from Cinder, they offer free help using your favorite means of communication, be it chat, email, or phone. To try out Cinder for free, head over to cloudaccountingpodcastpromo That That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/synder.
1: Stamped AI closes two million dollars to simplify financial statement prep for SMBs. This is a Quebec City-based accounting software startup. It's $2 million in Canadian dollars.
0: And just to repeat, this is stamped.
1: Stamped. Okay,
0: stamped. There's like a stamp out there, and other people stamped.
1: E okay. D. Stamped AI. It helps medium sized businesses prepare their year end financial statements. In an interview with Betakit, Stamped AI co founder and CEO Simon, I don't know how to say his name, his last name, L A N G L O I S, said this process typically involves. Spending hours exporting your company's data into Excel files so your auditor can audit. So they pull information out so that you can do your year-end financials to help work with auditors, which seems to me like something auditors should be doing. You know, figuring out how to do that. But uh, you, you know, I guess if you're the if you're if you're the customer of an auditor and you're tired of working with your audit team and having to manually send them stuff, you could just say, "Here, log into Stamped AI, get what you need because it already pulls it from our accounting system." Neat. Fiscal,
0: F-I-S-K-L, introduces a modern API-driven accounting for small business. So this is another press release. So obviously, it's usually written by the company that did it. And it starts out with, the classic cloud accounting platforms are now facing technology legacy issues, as they were all built when you had to reconcile paper to digital entries, digital entries to bank accounts, and then finally reconcile bank entries with accounting. And they go on to say what they're solving, and essentially, long story short, they're it's like baked feeds accounting. They're like, they're, we connect to the banks, we pull down the transactions, we categorize it, we re- reconcile it, which is basically what QuickBooks and Zero do. So I don't understand the argument of the classic cloud accounting platforms, right? <laughs> um, and then another thing they claim they're doing, they're simplifying, demystifying accounting for small business owners by doing away with debit and credit terminology, which is what QuickBooks did 20 years ago. So I don't know what, that wasn't really interesting to me. But at the very bottom, it talks about how they're powering businesses in over 150 countries. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I went out to their website. And this is probably what's really interesting about this is they, so they do 150 countries. You can invoice 60 different ways for payment languages.
1: 60 different ways. Wow.
0: Right. And then they do 153 payment currencies available. So this is really what sets them apart. All that other stuff is like table stakes. Everybody does bank feeds, right? Mm -hmm. But this is what sets them apart, which is if you have somebody that really has to do lots of international business, you probably want to take a look at this. Because a lot of app, I mean, even still to this day, I don't think QuickBooks Online works with Mexico. I think it's very difficult because, you know, you have to have barcodes on both sides of the transactions that match mm-hmm. and they both have to be submitted. It's very complicated, right? So mm-hmm. this is a reason to possibly look at fiscal.
1: Audit board rolls out new automation and analytics features as reported in accounting today. Another audit. Another audit. Yeah. Solution. So I think this is a huge opportunity. Big area for improvement is streamlining audits. I mean, so much of it is done in Excel manually. This is a big opportunity. This is the next area where, you know, audit firms, if they can just get over themselves, can just see huge improvements. So audit board automation and analytics is aimed mostly at internal audit and SOX teams. The new tool works within the platform's existing internal audit SOX risk management and IT compliance solutions to allow teams to draw upon their data to automate routine processes and streamline analytics. The platform handles tasks such as automated evidence collection, automated testing, continuous auditing, and continuous monitoring. It also centralizes documentation, evidence, requirements design testing, and version control in one place. It leverages third-party solutions such as Alteryx, FastPath, and Snowflake, none of which I have heard of before. So what is audit board? What are these what does all this mean? I mean, to me, this is automating the intake of data. So you're you're importing your client's GL data into the software. That's the automation of the collection. And then the testing can be automated too, because you're no longer manually pulling transactions. The software looks at the data set and then uses algorithms to figure out which transactions should you test. And then if you can connect the data into the audit software, you can continuously audit. So all the new transactions as they come in every month, you can flag ones to test. So instead of doing the audit all at the end of the year, you can do it throughout the year. And this is the same thing that's happening in tax that has the potential to unbusy busy season to to make it go year round to spread the workout. Is why are we waiting until the end of the year to start doing, to start putting numbers into the tax return? If we could pull that data from the trial balance throughout the year, it could always be connected into that return, and then you could see the impact throughout the year of what is going to happen, and that lets you do better planning. It lets you just click finalize at the end of the year when you're sure the books are reconciled. It's just so so much that we take for granted in accounting and tax and audit is that there is this busy season, but it only exists because we don't have the data connected. Once you got the data connected, you could do this on a on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis.
0: And then, and then also I, I would argue that if you start looking at it real time, that's when you're gonna find fraud. That's when you're gonna actually audit things. Right. Yeah. Because, because what yeah. happens is everybody waits till it's at the end and it's well past the fact and you're busy
1: and then people kind of rush through it and maybe it doesn't get figured mm-hmm. <laughs> out. Well, happen. and that's that's where this audit software and audit firms could offer more because if you're working year round, you've got the time to actually look for the fraud. And to look at the internal controls. Well, they it. It's like, hey, yeah, because
0: you have over time, right? This the this lady in two with the fraud, right? Yeah, and checks to cash. Like, how come all
1: of a sudden checks for right into cash keeps going up? I wonder if these construction companies had audits. Probably not, right? That's what happens a lot of the time with this fraud. Is there's there's not anybody looking at the bank statements.
0: But it's also like in construction, right? It's like, oh yeah, cash because they had to go buy supplies for this job over here. Like it's very like it's very easy to.
1: I know, but like as an industry,
0: it's not really like there's a lot of wishy washy kind
1: of last minute stuff. So
0: it's, you know,
1: I guess you could get away with it that way, but I I don't know. I feel like if you had software pulling out all these like check amounts, and, and that's the thing too, is a lot of times fraudsters will use the same numbers or they won't use, they'll just make up a number, right? But like this is one way you catch fraud is the numbers that we make up are not random. People have a preference for zeros and I don't know, there's different numbers that crop up more when people are making up numbers. Yeah. So if it's you run all numbers, probably like lots of seven, seven, seven. Yeah, who knows, what, right? Seven, seven. So so you can, actually, you can actually flag fraud that way. If you run the numbers through a set through a algorithm, it can it can spot like the inconsistencies or the the non randomness of certain things. So then you'd be wondering, okay, well, why are all these checks made out to cert, with certain numbers to cash? So, you know, that's that's the potential for all this.
0: Yeah, I mean, in theory, it wouldn't take seven years to detect it. it.
1: Might take two, but <laughs> like, I mean, but it's lot. like almost a million dollars a year. Anyway, CoinBooks has raised three point two million dollars to build accounting software for DAOs.
0: Oh, I saw this article twice. I couldn't read it. Like it's, they're like I saw this article on two different like kind of Bitcoin websites, uh-huh. and it's written so poorly the article that I was like, all right, I'm not even bringing this to the show. So
1: I'm glad I'll, I'll let you go with this. Well, so I don't know if this is going to be worth anything because I just saw the headline again. Oh, the headline exactly. <laughs> you heard the headline was great, and then you start reading it. It's like oh,
0: I'm 21 year old kid, and it's like the distributed. What's the DAO stand for again?
1: Well, you... So we can we can use this as a learning. Yeah. Moment. What is a DAO? Distributed autonomous organization. A DAO is. I like to think of it as an algorithm that lives on a blockchain. So it's like a headless company. Yeah, it's a company that just runs based on a set of rules. I mean, people invest in it. You can invest in a DAO by buying its its coins, but yeah, it doesn't have people running it. So how does this work? <laughs> I'm, I don't know I'm looking. I'm looking in here. Coinbooks works by integrating with crypto wallets and existing accounting software, so that crypto companies can manage both their crypto and non-crypto transactions in one place. That's all we know. You know, DAOs could be a big thing, right? They're, like, it's crazy to think about a business that doesn't have a CEO. Or management that's managed by an algorithm, but I mean, I mean, you could argue that Facebook is like that.
0: I mean, maybe that's how HOA should be ran. Right, it's like a good fit.
1: Yeah, a DAO could work for an HOA, and then the way you vote because you don't really like you. Nobody really wants to be the president or on the board of an HOA unless you're going to
0: embezzle money from it. But nobody's asking for that job.
1: What else, David?
0: Zero cons returning to Australia. So I mean. Over the pandemic, Australia and New Zealand have been some of the most locked down places, but it also makes sense because they're islands, right? Right, and if yeah. you can lock it down, right? So they're super excited. Zero is like super excited. They're going to, um, this is going to be at the the International Convention Center on Darling Harbor in Sydney, September 7th and 8th of 2022.
1: Well, how do we get out there, David? And it,
0: it took two and a half, it's been two and a half years since they had a Zerocon in, in Australia.
1: I think it's time for the uh, Cloud Accounting Podcast to get to Zerocon in Australia. I hear it's quite in? a thing. I hear it's quite a thing.
0: Are they letting Americans in Australia yet? I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, I, I yeah, exactly.
0: This is the big one, right? Yeah. So now they have all three. You know, they have New Orleans in August, uh, London in July. So July, August, then September in Sydney. Um, hopefully, QuickBooks gets to some in-person events. Like people want this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: like hopefully, this pulls back up. Zero issued their position on Ukraine and Russia, and what I thought was interesting. and know, it's it's kind of this typical like we extend support that type of thing, but. They go on to actually taking actions. And this is towards the bottom of the press release or blog post. It says, Zero has decided to not offer its service in Russia at this time, but they do have customers in Russia. So are they turning it off for those people? I, I... So while Zero has made this decision, we are working with affected customers so they can take the most appropriate action for their circumstances and extract their data. No. zero will also continue to hold and protect their data for a period of time consistent with our data retention policy so that'll be available should we commence supporting small business customers in russia again and it's just like this is that bigger you know impact right yeah, like yeah. This, c- this could be a little bakery in russia right <laughs> and like a small business owner and now they, they can't do their accounting the way they were running their business before obviously you know and it's not by any of their actions it's the actions of their government so it's just a. You know they did do something, but it's like I don't know. Every every time these things get turned off, like who are I get it? We they're trying to shut down the
1: Russian the big economy, money, right? And the oligarchs, right? Well, but, no it's 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 putting pre- it's putting political pressure, yeah. on on Putin, yeah. Right? If if regular Russians suffer economically, then that's the theory, yeah. But who knows? Oh, this is
0: like yeah. It, it, it's it's in a weird way. It's it's warfare without bombs, right? It's
1: economic warfare. Economic warfare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's. You're not allowed to use the word warfare in Russia, war in Russia. It's a special economic action. Yes. Right? So I have a follow-up on two items. First, we got blockchain and Ukraine is actually, this is related to it, right? So we haven't talked about this much on the show, but Ukraine is becoming a turning point for cryptocurrency, both in terms of regulation and in terms of its ability to change the world. The issue with regulation is, Are Russian oligarchs, in particular, using cryptocurrency to try to get their money out of Russia, and will they be able to do it? The question is open, because crypto is not an anonymous platform. You can trace everything on a blockchain. So if the world is able to trace the money that goes out of Russia and onto the blockchain, they could actually freeze those accounts and prevent anyone from ever using that money. That's a possible thing. That's an open question. Crypto is also being used to fund Ukrainians, fund the Ukrainian defense forces and send money that way. There's been like tens of millions of dollars so far, at least, that have been sent to Ukraine. So that's that's like, this is an interesting moment for cryptocurrency. Crypto crowdfunding, also crypto is a way to launder money. So more to come on that. President Biden has instructed federal agencies to study the risks presented by cryptocurrencies and consider the creation of a U.S. digital currency this was reported in the Wall Street Journal earlier. Yeah, we quickly touched on this that last week
0: for a split second, yes. Yeah.
1: The CBDC, no, the CB... Central Bank Digital Currency, CBDC. So it's not as relaxing as CBD, but it is a positive move forward. But again, they have, they're just talking about it. They haven't done it yet. But I mean, if you ask me, this is like something that absolutely desperately needs to happen, is regulation around this space. And the case in point, of course, is Tether. Tether is, as we've reported, one of the top stablecoins in the world. Because they're pegging
0: it against the U.S. dollar, right? Right.
1: One-to-one U.S. dollar. You can trade your U.S. dollars for Tether. They claim that they have assets to back Tether so that you can always redeem your U.S. dollars. You can always redeem your Tether for U.S. dollars. But as we have reported, as many others have reported, and we we have then copied their reporting, they're is a question as to like whether this money even exists, whether these assets even exist that are backing Tether. There was a report in Coindesk. This was actually back in February about Tether. They underwent an audit at year-end. They released their latest, well, I'm not sure I would call it an audit, but they released their latest attestation report back in February. Tether's the largest stablecoin issuer. We're talking $80 billion in value. And although that's a small percentage of the crypto market, it represents a lot of the liquidity in the crypto market. So my argument has been, if Tether is not really backed, then a a collapse in Tether could cause a liquidity crisis in the crypto markets, which could cause a lot of things to fall apart. And there's a question as to whether or not Tether has been used to manipulate Bitcoin prices and pump up the value of crypto in the past. So that calls into question the whole value of, of Bitcoin anyway, as it is now. So the problem with Tether though, when it comes to the audit is that, their audits have been done by these dinky little firms in the Cayman Islands. Yeah. <laughs> like dink, we're talking like dozen, a dozen people maybe or less. So here's the deal with the latest audit report, the latest attestation. It was done by, it's the first one, they switched auditors. Okay, always never a good thing. So MHA Cayman took over Tether as a client earlier this year. Yep. They are a su- subsidiary of UK-based mid-tier firm MHA McIntyre-Hudson which has recently been on the UK Financial Reporting Council's radar for audits, the company issued in 2018 and 2019, as part of its settlement with the New York Attorney General back in February of last year. Tether is required to release quarterly attestations of its assets and liabilities as a way of being more transparent when it comes to what exactly backs its Tether stablecoin. But like this audit, if you actually go and look at the firm that did this, we're talking an 80 billion dollar bank essentially, right? If you look up MHA. Cayman on LinkedIn. I'm going to do it right now.
0: And they're like a subsidiary of a UK firm that's being investigated, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So MHA Cayman, okay. They have, first of all, their address is a P.O. box. They have three employees on LinkedIn. Three employees on LinkedIn. This is a company, this is an audit firm that supposedly audited and 70 billion in assets. Like 80 billion assets to make, you know, Tether by comparison, one of the largest banks in the world. So, I mean, right? Like, this just seems ridiculous. And the reporting in the press is nothing to do with, is this audit even, like, real? It's Tether slashes commercial paper holdings by 21%, which was the big concern. Everyone's concerned, oh, they have all this commercial paper. Is it real? And, (laughs) you know, like so the, the reporting is positive because they have reduced their commercial paper. So, like, how do you maintain the value of audit? in the world when you have a stable coin that's unregulated that just goes out and buys what i mean here's what it looks like to me it looks like they went out they found somebody who's willing to sign off on this report got them to do a report and and you know this this could be totally corrupt right it could be it could just be it's three people in the caymans like you know what what guarantee what is the value well, we've seen of this movie it's called the firm right <laughs> i never saw that movie
0: basically it's uh, you know it goes to work for a uh tax legal law firm slash accounting firm thing. And they're, they're setting up all these entities in the Caymans. Oh yeah. The whole, that's the whole premise of the movie is like setting stuff up in the Caymans.
1: Well, that is, got a lot more I could talk about, but that's all the time we've got today. It looks like a hedge fund though, this
0: week announced uh, they're shorting they want to they're trying to short tether.
1: Yeah. That would be interesting. I mean, that's a good, I guess that's a sign that we're on the right path perhaps. I just don't see. It's like I don't understand how could how could it be legit? Like, what are the odds that Tether is legit when they get an audit from a three person firm in the Caymans?
0: Oh, well, does not matter who audits them? What are are you saying? Like, if a Big Four audited them, it'd be more reliable. I w- yes, actually okay. yes. In this okay. case, yes. <laughs> okay, much, just trying to feel that's more. Out.
1: Because... <laughs> yes. Well. If our listeners want to comment on this or any other stories, or just tell us anything at all about the accounting profession, you can send me an email at blake at blakeoliver.com. I love emails, but I love voicemails even more. So you could use the voice memo feature on your phone and send me that. Either way, love hearing from you. We will listen. We will likely play that on the air, as you have heard in the past. And uh, you can remain anonymous if you like. Just let me know. David, how should people get in touch with you online? I'm on all the socials, at David Leary. And follow the Cloud Accounting Podcast on social media, at cloud, A-C-C-T-P-O-D, on most channels. We love to connect with our listeners on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, do subscribe to updates on our website, cloudaccountingpodcast.com. You get an email whenever an episode drops. And the most important part, I almost forgot, you can get CPE credit for listening To these episodes, yes, continuing professional education credit for listening to this show. It's amazing how they allow us to do that. I can't believe it. Go to earmarkcpe.com, download the app that I created, find the Cloud Accounting Podcast, take a quick quiz for each episode, and then you'll get your CPE credit. And we put those courses out about a week after each episode drops. So if you're listening to this episode right now, and it's been about a week, go download the app, you'll find it get your CPE credit. It's never been easier to earn continuing professional education. And with that, David, I'm out.
0: I'm out. I'm going to head down to Rocky Point for the week. So maybe I'll have a story and observation. Enjoy. I can bring back and then we can ride off that trip. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Time for the classifieds. As humans, we're programmed from birth to learn watching others. Video has the power to engage, entertain, and educate without ever feeling like work. When you want to become a QuickBooks Online expert in the shortest amount of time, the Royal Wise on-demand web-based learning solutions are the obvious answer. With 40 easy-to-understand QuickBooks classes designed to bolster your confidence and increase your accuracy, Elisa Katz-Polix training will take you from beginner to advanced user. Pick just the topics you need or save money by subscribing to their entire QuickBooks Online library and coaching program for one low monthly price. Listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast can enjoy their first month of silver membership for only $1 using promo code PODCAST. So head over to learn.royalwise.com. That's Royal Like a King and Wise Like an Owl. Register for a QuickBooks class, become a member for just a dollar, and make learning a hoot. That's learn.royalwise.com. If you're looking to quickly grow a scalable, systematic, seven figure accounting firm without having to work 50 plus hours per week, check out Ryan Lozanis' online coaching membership, Future Firm Accelerate. Sign around Ryan's experience taking his cloud firm from scratch to sale so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You'll get online learning and topics that help you automate and systemize all aspects of your firm. You'll get coaching when you need help with implementation. And you'll also join a collaborative community of hundreds of other forward-thinking firm owners. For more details, head over to
1: www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. Hey, podcast listeners, it's Blake, and I wanted to let you know about a new show I'm working on with CPA slash comedian Greg Kite and blogger slash former CPA Caleb Newquist. It's called Oh My Fraud, and it's a podcast all about financial crimes. That's right, a true crime podcast for accountants by accountants. Caleb and Greg are going to come together every couple weeks to unpack their favorite frauds and explore the circumstances, psychology, and interpersonal dynamics involved. They also fully indulge in victim-blaming the defrauded widows, orphans, infirm, and feeble-minded, because who can resist? If you fancy yourself a trusted advisor or prefer your true crime with spreadsheets instead of corpses, listen to this show to learn what to watch out for and to keep your clients, your firm, and even yourself safe. To subscribe, go to ohmyfraud.com or search Oh My Fraud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.